And no matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People, Process, Service, a Frontline Source Group podcast. Welcome to another episode of People Process Service, a podcast by Frontline Source Group. I'm Tyler Kern, and joining me, as always, is the president and CEO of Frontline Source Group, Bill Casco. Bill, thanks for being here. Uh, always a wonderful day to come visit with you, Tyler. I feel Thank like you. you mean that. You really I do. Like, I know. Really, it's really it's fantastic. That. It's exciting. It's good to see you after uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. Who's our special guest joining us this week? Jan Murfield. Excited about this. Uh, Jan is the president, make sure I get it right, but you're the president of Junior Achievement of Dallas. Correct. Okay. And if you guys aren't familiar with Junior Achievement, uh, Junior Achievement's the world's largest organization. And I'm reading this straight from the paper. I'm not going to lie. Uh, educated, uh, t- dedicated to educating students in grades kindergarten through 12 about entrepreneurship, work readiness, and financial literacy through hands-on training and a program that's just out of, out of this world and a class that's different. That's right. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, we were just discussing this before. I was actually in junior achievement. We would call you a JA kid. A JA kid. Okay. I, I've had a lot of names called of me uh, in the past, but that's a new one. Yes. Uh, You're a JA kid success story. Really. I, I yes. know it, it's funny. You you think about these things, and, and there are reasons, obviously, that that happened, mm-hmm. that I went through something like that. Uh, and, and so we discussed the story earlier, but I'll, I'll give the brief overview. Uh, back in 1979, I, I was a part of Junior Achievement in uh, Royal Oak, Michigan. And it was a, a great experience, as I remember it. Uh, and, and the whole idea behind it at the time was that, well, one night a week, we, we went to the center uh, that was in uh, it was on Woodward Avenue uh, in, in Royal Oak. Uh, and we were mentored by executives from a, a company, of some company, and there were multiple classes going at the same time. I was lucky enough to have three individuals that were senior executives with Kmart. And, and for some of you, actually back then, Kmart was a big deal. A huge uh, company. It was a huge company, and they were headquartered in Troy, uh, just a few miles away. And so they dedicated their time back to these to individuals and kids uh, to, to educate, to help them, to mentor them about entrepreneurship, about business, and to get a better understanding. So in ninth grade, I'm going to this evening I don't know what we call it, a class or a gathering, a lecture a little bit, but it wasn't like that. It was uh, some bonding of friendship and understanding and listening to people uh, at a different level that I had never heard before. And and we built a company. Uh, and then the ironic part, I was voted the president of this company, which is funny today to think about. Uh, and, and we had to come up with an idea. What are we going to make? What are we going to sell? And they had an idea that we were going to uh, build a clock out of a butcher block, a piece of wood, and we would put the pieces together and, and stain it uh, and assemble it. And then we would sell this at the mall. Uh, it was prior, uh, before the holidays. So it was something that could be sold as a holiday gift. Uh, and, and, and then it was even more interesting because we had to go back to our family and friends and actually sell stock in the company. So we would go and ask for these, you know, a $20, let's say back then, which was a, a lot more than it is today in many ways, uh, and raise money to buy the product. Uh, which we did. And then uh, we issued stock back to those individuals. And then we took uh, the money, we went and bought the product uh, and then went and sold it at the mall. 
and we sold everything we had. And when it was all finished, we came back. Uh, and then we took the the money that was left over after our cost and, and we distributed a dividend back to the people invested and they got their money back. And that was my first experience with true entrepreneurship uh, beyond being delivering newspapers and things like that. This was in an, a, a true organization that was built understanding the hierarchy, understanding a process that went through. And, and years later, looking back at it, I realized that some of that it was maybe subliminal was put in, but the difference it made to me today of, of the person, the man, the way that I operate, I, I go back to that. And that experience was outstanding. So when I had an opportunity to, to speak with them, and, and a, again, an unusual situation where we were able to connect, it was really uh, a special time for me to look at that. And so having Jan here to really discuss what she does and how the people in her life and the people that she works with and the process that is driven to, I mean, you've been the, you've been the president for seven years? For seven years in Dallas. And prior to that, it was two and a half years in the Kansas City area. So, I mean, that's a lot of time dedicated to a nonprofit side, and that just speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And so as we start kind of looking at this and thinking about it, was there something that drove you to this? The, I mean, the people and the kids and what you do today, you're, you're interacting with all of these young kids, but in a different way than than I did when we went right. to, a, to a building at night or something. But I just have to tell you one thing about Junior Achievement. So the program that you went through is called Company Program. And students who go through that program are two and a half times more likely to start their own business than the general population. Wow. Because they learn about starting a company. Are you serious? I'm serious. So you and Mark Cuban are in good company. Mark, was Mark Cuban? A, Mark Cuban was a JA kid. Okay, I'm going to go think, back again. I, I mean, this is another 19th, deal. We are meant to, to visit. I mean, and, I know. But he went yeah. through in 1978. Oh, so, so he he's a me. year older. Okay, yeah. Or well, I, who knows? He had a better version probably than I had. <laughs> but he was in Pittsburgh, I believe. That's true. That's and, right. and Detroit was better at the time. Okay, so, no, so I'm somehow. Sorry, back to your question. No, no, no. It's okay. So what what kind of led you to the junior achievement side? Yeah. So uh, I've had a career in nonprofit my whole career. Right. I started with the American Heart Association, was there for 20 years. I was really going to do that for just a couple of years till I found a real job. And then that organization was great for me because it was about health and fitness and we raised money to fund research. And it was just a great organization. They're located here in Dallas, great organization. So after I left that organization, I tried a couple other things. And during that time, my husband and I were going through a financial course through our church, Dave Ramsey, don't know if you're familiar with that. And so I just decided that was really impactful. I'd never really had debt, but you know, you, you showed the numbers on how if you save at this point, and I was in my 40s, that you could really retire and be in good shape, even though I'd only work for a nonprofit organization. So I was so driven by that, a friend of mine said, hey, Junior Achievement is looking for a president. And they do financial literacy for kids. I said, you're kidding. And so I looked at their programs, and it didn't have the religious aspects of it that Dave Ramsey has, but it was financial literacy, how to build a budget, how to be smart. And Junior Achievement, both in Kansas City and in Dallas, is focused on the inner cities. And so what a great thing to go into kids who are from underserved communities, Title I schools, and show them about budgeting. Think of the difference that this could make in the lives of these kids. Right. So I took the job in Kansas City, 
had a great time there. My predecessor retired. I applied for the job and got it. So that brought me back to Dallas for the third time. So the programs that you have today, you talk about the, the, the company side of it. Right. What's the difference then with the people today that you're dealing with? Um, is it totally different than that? Do they still do the, pe the, the we, company part? Or? We still do the company program, although it's usually in school, not at another location. Okay. Fort Worth has a large company program. We're going to get into it, but that's another story. Okay. Uh, we also teach about careers, teaching students about what careers are out there, what kind of money you can make, what kind of schooling you need. We teach a lot about uh, careers where you don't need a degree, where a certificate will be required. We all, then on the, the budgeting side, we teach financial literacy at every age about what a budget is. We have a program called JA Finance Park, and that's where students learn about budgeting. And then they come to the park, the capstone experience, after 12 lessons, and they receive a persona. And on a tablet, they, they get what their, their age is, their income level, what, the, what schooling they had. They get their credit score. And that all comes together, and then they have to budget in 23 areas. So it's quite an eye-opening experience. We hear a lot, oh, that's <laughs> why I couldn't buy those. Used to be Nikes, now it's something else. Whatever right, it is. right, right. Yeah. So the people, you know, the people portion of what we do and what we believe in about surrounding yourself, the best people and right. the influence that people have. Today, when you are starting one of these classes and things, the, the people that are either working with Junior Achievement or work at Junior Achievement, a unique skill set, a, a unique individual, someone who's been through this before. I mean, how do they, how, how, what's the so person? When we're looking for people, we're looking for people who want to give back to the community. But we're also looking for people who really just love kids. How can I help kids in inner city Dallas become better educated, understand how life is, just be a better person all around person. Because really, we're working with other nonprofit organizations to break the cycle of poverty. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. If we were a community without poverty, think of the difference it would be. Right. So anything that we can do to partner, and we have a lot of partnering agencies that we work with to, to help break that society. So we have the curriculum that meets the, the Texas State TEKS, which is a Texas essential skills and knowledge, which teachers look at and school districts look at. It's important to them to be able to pass those tests that you always hear about. So we have the curriculum, and we run into Bill, and Bill goes, hey, you know, I'd really like to give back to my community, and you know, maybe teaching kids would be great. And so we say, hey, come to a training. We'll teach you how. We have all these different programs. Which one looks best to you? Which one right. would you rather do? You know, would you rather teach kids in kindergarten? Would you rather teach fifth graders? Myself, I'm more for juniors and seniors. Other people can have the little kids. That's okay. And we have these different curriculum, and you take it and you look at it, and we teach you how to study for it, and then you teach students. So we are always looking for more volunteers. We need about 5,000 this year to serve 55,000 students, and we just need people who will give a day to go into the classroom and teach. So if you've been doing this for about seven years, mm -hmm. I guess, in the Dallas market, right? the, the people, the kids that have been through the program, right? What, what, when you look at the, where they're at today, I mean, do you see that difference that you're making? I mean, the people that are, they're turning into? 
So because of privacy rules, we can't actually take names of students. But what we can do is look at long-term information. We do pre and post tests all the time. So we know that when we go in to deliver a program, they come out with more knowledge, right? But the, the long-term information is, like I said before, if you've gone through the company program, you're two and a half times more likely to start a business than, in, than the general population. Students who go through junior achievement are 33% more likely to have a college degree then they're 67% more likely to have an advanced degree. And so when kids go through junior achievement, they see how school relates to real life. Yeah. What's the relevancy of education? We all remember sitting in math going, ugh, I'm never going to use this calculus. If you got to calculus, I personally didn't, but for those people who did. Uh, you know, how, am I ever going to use this. And so when real people, and you remember the mentors, right, no, you might not absolutely. remember their names, right. you might not remember their faces, but you remember they were there. And mm -hmm. you were learning things from those mentors that you didn't live, learn in the classroom. Right. So when, Bill, you go in to teach one of our classes, they're going to see somebody different, somebody who's maybe got a different job than their parents or in the household where they're, they're growing up. And that's so valuable. You know when you go into a classroom, you're not going to get 100%. You're not going to get 100% of those kids. But you're going to make a difference to at least one or two or five because you can see it in their eyes. You know, when you're in teaching and you, you see the light bulbs go off, um, especially fourth and fifth graders, you know, first, second, and third, they're all kind of having fun. But fourth and fifth graders, when they start to ask you, well, how much money do you make? You know you're getting to them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> As you were explaining that, I was thinking, you know what? I wish someone had taught me personal finance instead of calculus because uh, I think it uh, would be more beneficial to me day in, day out, first of all, because I haven't used calculus you know, since it tanked my GPA in high school. Right. And then uh, and uh, also it would have been very, very beneficial you know, just to know a little bit more about taxes, about how to make a budget, things like that. Compound interest. Pra yeah, practical to everyday life. Right? We hear that almost every day. Yeah. Right. You know, when we're interviewing people or even internal employees, who don't realize, uh, and I, I can even speak firsthand, our oldest uh, is now on his own, and I, I can remember multiple phone calls of, uh, what is that? <laughs> I didn't, what is this, what is this? Uh, and, and even kids that we, we uh, right out of college that we employ, right. who go, I'd, I'd like to opt out of this FICO thing, and uh, <laughs> I didn't sign up for that, and I'm yeah. like, buddy, I, I didn't I sign didn't. up for it either, but uh, uh, we're all in it, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think that being able to educate them is something that we don't do in the schools mm. when it mm -hmm. comes to the money and the the budgeting and, and un, a better understanding. I think we used to. I think in the school programs, uh, we used to do a lot of that and discuss, and now we don't. So uh, when you look at that, what you're giving back, and, and you may not be able to speak with them, do they come back to you? They, do you have them come back where they say, thank you uh, very often, or is it something that you just know you've made an impact so it, we, we do get stories from JA alumni for, through primarily through social media. If they're out there, if they happen to be connected, or if they're in a company who's now a partner of ours, you know, we hear some of the stories, if people self-identify. But I always wear my badge, and I was in Irving, it's probably been a year ago, but I had come in to get something at 7-Eleven or one of those stores, and the guy goes, 
Junior Achievement. Man, I had you. You guys are good. You taught me how to budget. And I was like, all right. You know, where did you go to high school? And he went to Singleton, and he was right. telling me about it. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, you, I, I never know who I'm going to meet in an elevator or whatever. And so they go, oh, I had I had Junior Achievement. So, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting to bring up the badge, which kind of goes to the process to think about how you go about finding the, the companies and people and, and things like that. I mean, you obviously have been successful doing this. She was uh, nominated for an award. And I read up on this award, the uh, Carl, is it is it Flemke? Is Flemke. That the right way mm -hmm. uh, award, which uh, was a very interesting story because this gentleman was the first, was a contributes to first-time contributors of this award. Tell us about this. So the Flimke Award within Junior Achievement and, and the awards that we have, this recognizes people who are president for five years or less. And the thing I like about these awards, it's not really based upon how nice you are or anything like that. It's really about your achievements. And so Junior Achievement's very business structure oriented with a lot of facts and figures and they track all this and so the people who meet the minimum requirements are invited to apply for it to say yes I'll be glad to be acknowledged if I'm the winner so that was when I was in Kansas City. It was a huge accomplishment to be nominated for something like right. that and then obviously you have some type of a process that you do to be successful. Share that with us. The secret recipe. Number one, it really goes back to the Bible. Treat people, treat people how you want to be treated, right? right, mm -hmm. right. Uh, we most of us learned that when we were small. I think the second thing, and this is really important in nonprofit work. It's important in all work, but if you say you're going to do it, do it. Right. Be truthful to your word, and treat people the way you want to be treated. It's really those two basic things. So, we have a small staff. We have twenty staff. We're recruiting. 300 schools, 2,500 classes within those schools, and then 5,000 volunteers to serve those students. Hmm. So we all have multiple relationships. It's a relationship business. Right. It sells in the aspect that we're always asking, Bill, could you come and teach? Tyler, would you come and teach? Whomever we see, we ask everybody we see because you never know. I mean, a lot of people say, well, yeah, I'll do it. And then you follow up and they won't. But you never know when you're going to get somebody. Right. Hmm. And so that's important. It just takes a lot of asking people. But the reason I don't feel like it's sales is because I'm asking you to help these students have a better life. Hmm. I'm not asking you to help so I get more money in my pocket. Right. I'm asking for you to help these students. So that's kind of the difference as I see it. That's it. It's really interesting when you think about the value that is that kind of comes back from that to the community, to the individuals, then it goes to the families, and, and it just continues to grow from there. It does, and in fact, we keep track of the volunteer hours from the Points of Light uh, website. And last year, it was over $1.4 million of volunteer time that actually came back to the Dallas community just from our organization and teaching in the schools. I, I was going to ask, you've worked your entire career in nonprofits and really done so, so much in that area. 
And I think people have heard stories about nonprofits, and it's a lot of really good people with really good hearts that want to do good things, right. but oftentimes don't have organizational skills to keep things organized or don't have the budgeting skills to keep the lights on and things like that. How did you pick up those skills along the way? Were they things that you always had, or was it part of a process of learning, okay, a lot of really great and nice people who are willing to volunteer their time, but how do I organize these people in a way, or how do I motivate them the correct way? That's a good question. And I think just like the, sk the skills that we teach students, business skills, mm -hmm. I think the first nonprofit I was with, American Heart, is a nonprofit business. Mm -hmm. And so there are some organizations that may not be that way, but Junior Achievement is also a nonprofit business. So I run a small business worth $2.5 million is our balance sheet. So we learn those things along the way, right? We um, take classes on our own because I'm still not, you know, the whole debit and credit thing. <laughs> I, ne I, I never quite got that, but I study it. But the whole budgeting process mm -hmm. and understanding all of that, how it all works together, plus in a nonprofit, You've got a board of directors that you say, hey, I don't, I don't quite understand this. Tell me what this is about. Yeah. So you've got greater strength in numbers and your executive committee that a president surrounds themselves with because we all have strengths and weaknesses. So when we know what our strengths are and, and those areas where we're not so strong, then we can fill in our boards of directors with, with those skills. So in, a, in an area like Dallas-Fort Worth, yes. uh, you have a junior achievement of Dallas. You have a junior achievement of Fort Worth. Correct. Do you find yourself having to fight against the other side to obtain the corporate side of things? Or is this a, you know, it, I know you guys are all on the same team, but I mean, we're very blessed to be in, a, in an area right. where we have so many publicly traded headquarters and companies and right. very, uh, very lucky to have people that are willing to to give money and donate. Right. But it also sounds like you have a small staff and you really need the volunteers. Right. So how do you go about finding those those people? I mean, it's just got to be a non and you did. She made a comment earlier that was cracking us up. She said, I'm not, I would never be good as a salesperson. And then the more I'm sitting here, I'm going, my gosh, you're kidding me. Uh, because it's nonstop. You, you, you're nonstop out there pitching, talking, loving it. It's, it's a passion. Right. You couldn't work for a nonprofit that you weren't passionate about because you are on all the time when you're at a chamber event or some kind of networking event. It, it really is. So we just have a database. We have all this technology. You meet somebody, you put them in the database. Right. Somebody else meets somebody, they put them in the database. We keep good notes. So any email goes in the database. And we have huddles at least once a week to talk about who'd you talk to from what business and who'd you talk to from what business. And it's just about companies and making contact. Well, this week I'm going to call these five people, I'm going to call these five people. So, you, you, you know, we try to find the right people and you, you have this process that are all in place. At the end of the day, what, what's the goal that you look for that you're able to kind of gauge your success with junior achievement? Because in the, in the business for profit side, we're always about the bottom line. Um, and, and for you, if you're so are not, we. what's that? So are we. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true, but uh, <laughs> nonprofit does not. Right. Uh, but you're unable to really uh, quantify at the end the students, what, what they're able to do because of privacy things. So how do you really 
gauge that success? I mean, what what is that? Several things. So first of all, we're numbers-oriented based upon the numbers of students that we serve. And we look at high school, middle school, grade school. So we have uh, metrics that we want to increase middle school over the next four years because that's our focus. Uh, and there's some different kind of programs that we're looking to implement at the high school level that maybe fewer numbers but deeper a deeper dive like the company program because that's maybe 100 kids but if you're if they're with JA for 2 hours once a week right it's a very deep dive right so we look at not only the number of students but the contact hours so that's how we gauge our success and then it's how much money do we have to raise to provide the education because we don't get any government fees. We don't get any fees from the schools with the exception of one program. And so we have to raise the money to support the programs. What's a bigger challenge, getting people to donate uh, money or time? It's never easy to raise money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where we are right now with Dallas growing so much, uh, we're it's a struggle to get volunteers mm-hmm. because that is one thing that makes junior achievement different. There are companies out there who sell financial literacy education to the schools, but it's different when you bring in an outside person. So uh, the volunteer time is really critical, and we do have a lot of people go, ah, here's a check. Right, right. A lot easier. For some people. Right. Yeah, you get, you get to the level. So if they come in at kindergarten, mm-hmm. is your goal and, and the way that the, it kind of runs down the process is that they come in and you want them to come back in first grade and second grade? Or is it is that one way that you're able to gauge? Or is it, hey, they were here in first grade and they came back in fourth and we want them to come back at 10th? Or how does that kind of work? So we have, there, there's a couple different ways. There are feeder patterns. And so in Irving, we're really good in looking at the feeder patterns and, patterns and working them up. In Dallas, we have a few feeder patterns. As we move forward, we're looking more for different experiences. So the entry-level experience is high school kids one hour with a, somebody talking about their career and how they got there. So we're trying to get the biggest diverse crowd, we've got people going in who own yoga businesses. And, <laughs> I mean, all kinds of entrepreneurs, or and it really doesn't matter if you're if you work in a big company. How did you do that? And so people from all over, and then a little bit more depth of a program would be an in-class program where they get six or seven lessons, and that all ages. That's in-class program. So that's a little bit deeper dive. That's like five or six or seven hours. And then we have our capstone programs, which one is focused on middle school middle school kids where they learn about a business called JA BizTown. Okay. And one for high school kids called JA Finance Park where it's real life budgeting and learning all that. And then the deepest dive would be then back to the company program, which we're going to be piloting during the 2020 school year. All right, I'm going rogue on this one, guys. I'm going to get ready, okay? I'm so, ready to mute you at any point. I know, I'm going rogue. Okay. Okay, so you brought up something in the beginning, talking about the number of kids that go through this that end up going to college. Right. And what was that number? 30% more, you said? 30% more likely to receive a bachelor's degree. Okay, so that leaves 70%. I wish I had to do the math real quick. My there calculus wasn't working. All right, so that leaves 70% that don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're talking like seniors in high school at this point. Is that what your senior number of seniors are talking with? No, really what you're looking at is let's say 
I don't know the numbers from Dallas of the kids that go to college out of graduating, but I think the graduation rate is about 88%. Okay. If they take junior achievement, they're more likely to be at 91%. Gotcha. Graduation rate. Okay. And there's a lot of different numbers that they look at. Now, of those people who graduate, and I should know this, there's a certain percentage that go to college. But of those kids who had JA, they're 30% more likely to go to college than just the average. The average. Mm-hmm. It still right. leaves individuals that have been through the program that don't go. That's true. Right? So when we think about your achievement right now, and this, I'm sorry, I'm just putting the employment hat on here real quick. That is an opportunity for the companies to look at uh, the shortage that we have yes. in the employment side of individuals that are out of high school that did not have an opportunity to go to college or are having to pay for their own side of college or are right. looking for an opportunity for a career where I would think uh, you would have more involvement of companies wanting to be involved with those individuals because it is such a tight market to find individuals that, first of all, have an entrepreneurial spirit, right. which means they're already willing to do something outside of the box. Right. They're already going to something that others won't do, right. which is a huge deal right now because it means they're getting up and going to something uh, and showing up and fulfilling that as well. Uh, from a recruitment standpoint, uh, it's something I'm over here going, we've got to be more involved in this because the the number of individuals that are out there uh, that that aren't sure maybe where they want to go, looking for that opportunity, but have been up through a program like this, puts them way ahead it does. of everyone else. It puts them way ahead. They, they've had that exposure and experience. Right. So to companies, you know, today we've got the, the CPA firms and, and the large ones are out there recruiting high school graduates to to give them scholarships to go to college. And when you graduate college, you're going to come to work for us. Right. I mean, they're they're already recruiting into those seniors in high school. And and I see that coming uh, in, in other ways that companies will be looking at. So I would think you're already preparing them for something that puts them ahead of everyone else that, that really makes them stand up to say, there's an opportunity here if you can't do that. Um, here's an opportunity with a great company. And by the way, we've partnered. Here we go. You're absolutely right. So if all people listening and their companies would come help us, yes. we'd be better. Uh, you we'd would be better be. off. No, we would all be. We would be. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you have individuals that have already made a difference in what they're doing. The service that you're giving is not just back to these individuals to help the individuals, but it really goes back to the community and to all of us as a human race right. at the end of the day. Because right. you have put them through something and structured something in a way that's differentiated them from the others that are coming out. and. I know this sounds crazy. I mean, it literally is just like a light that just went off for me. Uh, because when I started thinking about the numbers, it's great to hear about the ones that go. Right. But I always wonder about the ones that don't. Yeah. Uh, they're they're fantastic still. But what happened? They were led all the way to the gate, and for some reason, they decided not to go through. So what happened to them? Did they just get pushed back in? But they shouldn't and into the system, into the way of uh, evolving forward. And and many times they they kind of lose that burning light. I know the school systems are working really hard to uh, make the certificate programs available. And through the PTEC programs that Dallas ISD is participating in, a portion of their students in every high school are go through the PTEC program, which gives students an opportunity to earn college credit through the community colleges. So 
they're trying a lot of different things and um, there's a lot of great statistics coming out, but it's really just getting started. I think they're in the third year of the P-TECH schools. So that's why we work with the Dallas ISD, Richardson, Irving, Garland to really get our programs in the school so we can help make a difference in in another area as well. It it really just hits that when you realize that this is a service that you guys do, that's not costing the taxpayers money. This is coming from internally within the country and from within the business side to fund, to help and to supply and to train individuals that come back into it. And to me, that's just, that's really fascinating to hear and understand that this is something that, you know, anyone who is out there and and in a position to be able to give back, what an opportunity because it's an organization that's not taking from the government, not asking for that, but instead basically just spreading the, the knowledge base that's already there from a business side. That's right. Yeah. Bill kind of mentioned the, the service aspect of things, so let's dive into that. This is, I mean, it feels obvious to say, but service is a massive part of, of what you do. And right. I mean, it's pretty much your your day-to-day life at this point, just with what you do and how long you've been doing it. Right. So really, our staff, we focus a lot on what we're doing for the students. Mm-hmm what we're doing for the teachers, the principals, everybody in the school system, what we're actually doing for employers too, because when possibly young young employees come in to deliver our program, they learn presentation skills, they learn speaking skills. As crazy as it sounds, my first class, I taught second graders because that was the class with donuts. They learn about, it used to be assembly lines, and now it's, you know, everything else that's going on. <laughs> but you take donuts in, and I remember sweating so much, thinking, oh, my God, these are second graders, you know, what I'm knowing. And I mean, my kids were grown by then, you know, and I was like, I couldn't even do it. Now, I can sit and talk to Bill. He's president of his company, but I couldn't talk to second graders. But it's a great opportunity for people to practice their presentation skills because everything we do is interactive. And so it's learning while they're active. I thought you were going to say if you mess up, they're not going to remember 20 minutes later. (laughs) That could be, but I never thought about that, see? But they like the donut. They like the, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, I I like donuts. I I guess one of the things that I I was thinking about, it took me forever to kind of form this question, but you've spent your career in organizations that have service at the heart of it. But how do you, I suppose, balance service as a career with service as an attitude in in your life and your personal life and that sort of thing? When service is your job, how how is it also not your job at other times? Does that make sense? Well, I guess it does. I think it goes back to where I grew up, and this is no lie, a a wheat farm in western Kansas, you know, the the whole thing. And so where I grew up, you helped your neighbor. I mean, everybody knew everybody. When I got married, the invitation was in the paper for all 500 people (laughs) to attend, right? So there was actually a study done by a person who does major gift fundraising who said the most successful fundraisers came from small towns. Hmm. Now, small, you define, 25,000, whatever. But it's because we grew up in neighborhood, community, where if I did something wrong, Susie's mom was going to call my mom before I got home, right? Right. So it's more of a community. And so I think I've grown up really looking at things through a community lens. And I think for my career nonprofit, that has been a help. Feeling a sense of responsibility. For other people. For other people and and vice versa. It's like the old barn raisings. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, your question, because I was thinking the same thing. If you're a nonprofit 
And you ask him, well, how do you give back? Well, I, I do that every day. Mm -hmm. So in your personal life. Well, then I, then I support other groups right. that have a mission that junior achievement doesn't have, whether it's heart or cancer or mm. somebody like that, where I've been, my family's been personally affected. How have you seen attitudes towards nonprofits uh, over the years? Have they shifted at all? Are people more philanthropic, less philanthropic than maybe they were when you started your career? How, how has that changed over the years? I think what we've seen is when I started with nonprofit organizations in the 80s, people served on boards and they did long-term projects. And now we see people that serve on a board, but they really do more short-term projects. Mm. So it's easier to recruit John, who's the CEO, to do a project where he's only going to have to worry about it for three months and make five phone calls and have two conference calls. As opposed to we used to do a year at a time, you were the chairman of the business campaign and you recruited mm people underneath you, you know, the whole pyramid, how we used to organize. So I think just humankind, people want to do good. They want to help their community. But there's a lot more nonprofits, too. And so you may support uh, animals, welfare of animals, which is, I think, is a great organization. Mm -hmm. And I support a cancer cause. But they're all good organizations, and people just help where their heart is. Yeah. I, it's just very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And I just realized also we're, we're interviewing Dorothy from Kansas. I just interviewed <laughs> I left my red heels yeah. in the car. I'm so sorry. She was talking about that. I thought, oh, here we go. Toto and NEM. It's coming Toto up right too. now, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's yeah. fantastic and and interesting and something that people don't understand a whole lot. I, I, I just, it's very interesting to understand that it's not a government funded and I never really thought about that. Right. Uh, and that it's truly all of us, uh, the community, the business giving back to something that really has a, a, a deep impact. And it's very, uh, very interesting when you look at your background and you've been so dedicated to this and what an accomplishment. Be very proud. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. Well, Jan, thank you so much for, for joining us today here on People Process Service. It's been an absolute blast getting a chance to talk to you. I think I speak for Bill on that as well. It's just been really inspiring and really, really great. So thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Bud. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just, we, something new we learned today is that uh, Tyler's <laughs> new name is Bud, so we're excited about that. Listen, next week yeah. we have uh, Adam Bernhardt. He is the, uh, I guess, the property manager right. for the Bank of America building here in Dallas that we we office yeah. in. So 70, I thought it was 72 floors. And then after doing some research, found out it's actually 74 floors. Ooh. It's ranked uh, the 39th tallest building in the country, which I thought it was a lot lower. And then I realized that like 36 of them are all located in New York City. So <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. And he is going to be on here. It's going to be very interesting to have the conversation with him about the exact same, you know, people, process, and service, because this guy's running a city in so many ways. So very, very excited about that next week. Uh, and then we're, we're Mark Cuban, we're going to figure that one out yeah, still. Yeah, we are. And now that I know he was with Junior Achievement, again, this is something, every week we learn something you new. You have ins all over the place. I am, I'm trying. The right I'm either scene, going to get you know? him on the show or I'm going to get a restraining order. It's one or the <laughs> other. I don't know. Something's going to happen between there. But Jan, thank you so much. Thank really, you. Very, very uh, interesting and appreciate you you visiting with us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to make sure that you get uh, the next episode just immediately to your phone, just to subscribe on 
iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, Google Podcast Store, all of those. And Jan, where can they find some information to get in touch with you to help out? Yeah, our website is www.jadallas.org. Wonderful. And we know Mark Cuban's listening, so Mark, holler at us. I hope he is. All right. Hashtag Mark Cuban. There you go, everybody. (laughs) Bill, we'll be back next week with another episode.